0: Hello, Probably Scientists. Andy here with a quick announcement. We failed to mention on this week's episode that we will be appearing live in San Francisco in February at the SF Sketch Fest, one of the best comedy festivals in the world. It's it's right up there with the Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland, Oregon, I would say. But then I may be biased. Uh, we are appearing there live at the Punchline Comedy Club On Saturday, February 8th at 4 p.m., guests to be announced, and being San Francisco, we've got a wealth of people to choose from, both comedically and scientifically, so... I think you're going to be very happy with what we come up with. Um, tickets and information are at sfsketchfest.com. So get those tickets now. and We hope we'll see a bunch of you in person. Um, also, I want to thank all of you who have been donating and listening. Our numbers have been going up recently, which is very heartening. We uh, do this thing because we enjoy it. And it's nice to know that some of you do, too. So if you do enjoy it, uh, we do appreciate if you can comment and rate us in iTunes, because that helps get the word out to even more people about the podcast. And if you want to donate, you can do that at probablyscience.com. And it's also where you can listen to episodes. You can live stream them, comment on them, download the MP3s. Uh, You can find a link there to subscribe in iTunes or however you choose to subscribe to podcasts. So go check out probablyscience.com and tell your friends and enjoy this week's episode with Dr. Anissa Ramirez and comedian Sarah Tiana. Probably Science.
1: Hey, welcome to Property Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm joined as always by Andy Wood. Hello. And Jesse Case. Hey! We're indoors today. We are. It's it's cold. It's good? cold in LA. It's I feel a cheated. Cold snap. Yeah. I'm uh I'm I'm back to London in a couple of weeks. Oh not even a couple of weeks, in a in a week. And so I'm gonna have a last few days of loading it in the sunshine
2: no yeah yeah i'm back to nashville and uh it's freezing there it's awful it's awful
1: probably weather with jesse and matt i don't know (laughs) i always i I had i had nashville i had nashville pegged as just like uh like hot all the time and everyone's dressed as cowboys and playing country music
2: no normally normally it's just really cold right now a lot of people are dying because they're cowboy gear and they they don't really know what to do (laughs) Um, you know, when chaps freeze, you literally
1: can't walk and No, just no, yeah to...
2: I mean, people have chapstick
1: um, uh, yeah.
2: now, But it's has, assless
1: Has the cowboy community ever considered Adding the ass to the chaps? You can buy just the ass part
0: It's like donut holes? <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: It's like donut holes for chaps But you have to go to Memphis for that Right So okay. it depends on whether or not your steed can even make it that far <laughs> Um you know, if you can if you can find somewhere for quarter that night, um, and not get dysentery, not get oh, dysentery, yeah. then you then you can
0: buy just the the chap ass for your
2: assless chaps.
0: Um, we assless <laughs> chaps, by the way, being redundant, as as we learned from uh, David Huntsberger when he was on the podcast. Yeah, that's a, it's, no, a yeah, yeah. it's a tautology. Right, right. It's like it's a, it's like
2: crotchless panties, redundant. You know, redundant. <laughs> I don't think you know what the word means, Jesse. Huh? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's redundant. <laughs> Panties. What are pa- panties are like just a little silk belt thing?
0: <laughs> right. Okay, you do. Okay,
1: I take it all back. Uh, we should we should get on to introducing our guests. Well, the first of our guests, because we're this is a double guest episode. We're going to be Skyping in uh, in a few minutes with an author. And you guys Brilliant. are lucky that you're not here to see Andy's Skype history. We pulled that
2: puppy
0: up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> 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 not true at all. What, what are you looking at there? Yeah. Dave Anthony? <laughs> uh, Riley Newton? There's nothing uh? untoward going on there. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh. <laughs> uh, it's not like Stu's computer or something No, I no, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding <laughs> I know, I know, I know but kidding. just in case the, uh... So
1: sat to my right, we have a um, super funny comedian uh, As regularly seen on
3: Chelsea Lately And uh, what's the new show you're about to be the on? The Super Investigates oh, The Soup Investigates, soup Investigates and... is on And then there's a new show on the Game Show Network Coming out in January called um, um, Mind of a Man Oh <laughs> It's okay. a game show and like two female contestants and D Ray Davis hosts it and then there's a panel of three comics that help the women try to figure out what men are thinking. Because only men have been polled, like Family Feud when they go we polled a hundred people. Right. It's only men.
2: So is your is your comedy Saratiana, by the way. Yeah. Yes.
3: We should oh, say
1: yeah. Saratiana
2: Saratiana. Very funny, Saratiana. No, that's great. So your your comedy bio is just uh Saratiana, part of the problem.
3: that's <laughs> yeah. the, that's the <laughs> well it depends on what you think a problem is no no I
2: know I know. I'm, I'm, well we no. pulled a hundred men
1: and asked them what <laughs> right? The was. Right. We
2: pulled, we pulled exclusively men uh, frustrated single men uh-huh. and they say they said, um, no that sounds that's a great uh, that's a great fucking idea for a game show yeah.
3: is there any, any female equivalent I say, I say
2: that, with, that ever turn uh, I say that with pure jealousy in my heart and,
3: <laughs>
0: do they ever turn the tables and do the equivalent like, well the they can't
1: equivalent? do mind of a woman because no, I'm yeah, not yeah, even yeah. going to finish yeah. that thought
3: yeah because men don't care what women well, are thinking
0: men aren't sitting at home wrecking. the no. No no one's ever pitched that show. Yeah, no one. (laughs) Ah, fuck, who cares? Yeah, we don't care what women are thinking or what they want. So the comics who are explaining it all, are there always men? The panel panel
3: is three people, and it's usually two men and one woman, or three people. It's a very urban show, so I'm always the only white person, which is so great, because I can be, you know, since I'm from the South, I can just be like, listen, I have one black friend, and I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: (laughs) That's Listen
3: awesome. to me, contestants. <laughs> this does, yeah, now that,
0: you, now that you say that, like, it does sound very Steve Harvey-ish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely
3: family feud but like, like a, a younger skewed and only two people who aren't related are contestants. Yeah. It's basically the, the family feud when you go up and push, push the button, the sure. square off or whatever, when uh, you, face yeah. off. Face off. Yeah, it's basically just like that. Nice.
1: So we're going to be, uh, we're going to be talking football in a bit. So one of the reasons we invited you on Apart from the to and wanted you on the show for a while uh-huh. is you, we don't know, we don't know sports. Yeah. We're we're never going to be on that
2: game are. show. As the, we'll,
3: be
1: the, we'll be the women.
3: It'll be.
2: Guess what we're thinking? How insulting would that be if they're like, "Look, we know it's a show
0: called like What Are Men Thinking, but we still need you to be the contestant." <laughs> <laughs> like if you hooked up an EKG to Jesse's brain while he's watching football, he's, he's still thinking about fixing typewriters. Or uh,
2: <laughs> no, I, I'm thinking. Like, do you I, watch football?
0: No, That's a, none of us have done No,
2: us I, I don't know anything about it. I do crafts. Okay. <laughs>
3: like I, You know, you know what I realized that like a lot of people ask me why I like sports so much. Like I have three fantasy teams and pick wow. you know, pick 'em league and then I'm in a suicide pool and like all this stuff. But I realized the reason that I like sports so much is because it's the only thing in my life that's fair. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's a winner and there's a loser based on effort. <laughs> sure. And. It's not like Hollywood, you know, where it's like, well, we wanted to give you this part, but you have brown ish hair and we want someone with brown hair, <laughs> right? But you have brown ish hair. And we need someone with brown. Whereas
1: in sports, you go, I refer you to the rule book.
3: <laughs> yeah. Where it clearly <laughs> well, states, it but brown
1: hair is defined
3: as <laughs> yes. right. Yeah. I'm
2: pretty sure my career tore its ACL a few years ago. And, um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know, but I, that's why I think I'm super, I've gotten even more into sports. That makes, that makes sense. And, yeah. then, and now it's become a competition between me and all my friends who, yeah. I had to get voted into the Comedy Store Football, Fantasy Football Whoa. League. And I did. I'm like the only woman, and they really Damn. didn't want me in for a long time. It I don't doesn't know. Doesn't sound it was... very comedy store like, right? A woman shutting out women. It's <laughs> telling a woman. me it's a boys' club. But, the comedy but now star? I'm winning Jeez. the league, so they definitely wish I wasn't in it. Well, what are those oh. men thinking?
0: <laughs> hey. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know much? I mean, do you uh, do you follow things apart from uh, what am I trying to ask? I don't, I don't know. Even know what I'm trying to ask. Uh, like this is well, we're talking to uh, Anisa Ramirez, who is a PhD in material science engineering. And she wrote a book called Newton's Football that's about the science of football and mm-hmm. also kind of about the evolution of the sport and making analogies between things that happen in football's evolution and scientific principles. Like, do you mo- know much about like the early days of the sport?
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess so. You mean just about the gear that they used and the just, yeah
0: and the, the rubber, of rubber uh, helmets and, the, you know, and, the, and leather, she talks a lot
1: leather about helmets. leather helmets. She talks rubber in the book helmets, a lot about the, the development segment. of the tactics as well and the
0: yeah the, the, the progressions of various like the development the of like, the no huddle offense yes. and like the uh, the the west coast offense that's a thing right yeah there's yeah. a west
3: coast offense <laughs> there.
0: you're talking to like this is the most pathetic yeah we, we really uh it's I really had to bad go look up um on youtube i had to watch a tutorial explaining the positions because like i know what a quarterback was mm-hmm. wide receivers maybe but like i didn't know what a cornerback or a safety was i didn't know what the secondary did you, was did you know that the ball uh, they use isn't round
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no no i know
2: i know and it's also they use their they're allowed to use their hands as yeah, opposed it's to just football, feet, called
0: football, but it's not actually just your feet. It turns <laughs> out. I
2: know, yeah. I know, but it's not even considered a ball, really. It's more, it's closer to a disc.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Jesse still might have never seen a football
2: Pigskin. game. I'm realizing. Well, I'm pretty sure I've seen it, you guys. I'm pretty sure it's Olympic, Olymp, last well, Olympics, the Winter Olympics coming up.
3: Certain <laughs> fields, certain fields, they have to put them like in humidors so that like in Denver where the air is really uh, dense or. Where it's thin because uh-huh. it's Mile High Stadium. Like they have to keep the balls in humidors so that they. A well, football
2: does
1: taste better after a few. <laughs> yeah. I, I find that the smoke An tastes aged yeah, yeah, a nice aged. Yeah. And is it still like the ball is still rolled on the thighs of a Cuban virgin?
3: Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure, for sure. <laughs> it's illegal <laughs> in, in America, but. Wait. So, what does the humidor do for the ball? It, I mean, I, it just keeps. I guess it, moist. it keeps it uh, from uh, drying out or becoming like too difficult to throw or. Too heavy or something. Oh. I don't. I, I really don't know the science behind it. I just know, like... like in Denver they keep them in humidors. And That's then interesting. They, yeah. they also warm them up for certain different. You know, if oh, it like wow. like yesterday there was a big blizzard. I was watching that. Playing. That was
1: on when we were when we were at brunch. There was the screen was on and they were playing like it, is it fully in snow? They looked like they were just having a snow day at yes. school.
3: Yeah, it was insane. They just kept having to. Um, the lines of the field, they keep having. They can, they can only, they can't wipe off the field. You know, like how in hockey you can just like glaze over the ice and you right. redo the ice, but right. in football they're not allowed to clear the field. All they can do is clear the lines.
2: Why aren't they allowed to clear the field?
3: It's part of the rules, like that. You, the conditions are the conditions, and you don't get to change the conditions. So, okay. so
0: you can have the advantage if you're from a shitty place like Green Bay. At least you're used yeah. to it, or something. Because if it's raining, sure. it's not
3: like they're going to wait till it stops raining. No, of course. Or... I, I
2: just I didn't know there wasn't some sort of field zamboni.
3: Nope. I know, Exactly. You would think so. They they clear it before the game, but while the game is in play, they they cannot clear the field.
2: If you threw something on the field, they take that
3: off. Yeah.
2: Like from the
1: cra- if
3: you th- like a child. Yeah. Like, no.
1: No. <laughs> like even if like someone were to just deposit a a dead cow in the middle of the field, play, they would have to work around. As that as They have to play around. <laughs> yeah. Play it as it lies.
3: The only time they stop <laughs> it is like there was a. Lo- hey, a was- shooter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <When>
3: the- <laughs> you lost your ball. <laughs> <Was> that- <laughs> Whenever there's lightning, they stop it and that stuff like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or whenever, you know, Wouldn't the wanna... Patriots are in town, I think they should just stop playing. <laughs> That's what I think.
2: Oh, yeah. A bit of a scandal. Scandalous.
3: Yeah, the player Patriots are my least favorite team. What, what is your team? My team is the Atlanta Falcons, right. and okay. uh, they're not doing very well this year. Last year, we went to the playoffs and almost made it to the Super Bowl. And I remember This that. year, we're supposed to be really, really good, and uh, we've only won three games. How many games have there been? 14.
2: There's already been 14?
3: Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So we're about to hit week 15, and it's just really depressing. And also,
1: what is a suicide pool? Because you mentioned that. Yeah, you did say that earlier. That freaked us out. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that this is a house with what could be described as a suicide pool. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure several people have died in that pool.
3: (laughs) A suicide pool, uh, every week you have to pick a team to win. So amongst all the teams that are playing, you have to pick a winner, just one one team to wins but you can only pick that team once okay so say so you pick the raiders in week one and they win you can never pick the raiders again to win so it keeps so narrowing next, down it keeps narrowing down because if the raiders lose then you're just totally out it's only if you lose once if you make the wrong pick you're out of the pool so there are like 1300 people in the pool and oh, like wow. after week one like because this season has been so crazy after three weeks they were down to 600 people Because once you lose one game, you're out. So, the idea is to pick pick.
1: pick a winning team for the longest streak possible, but never repeating a team. Without repeating,
3: yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: So, it is possible for multiple people to win the suicide pool and split it.
3: It is possible, yeah.
1: It would theoretically be possible for someone to pick. Pick.
3: Well, actually, there's got to be some. It also be
2: possible for no one to win.
1: Yeah, and there has to be, at least theoretically, ways that the game can plan out where there would be no possible winner. Like, there's no possible solution. Right. although that's very unlikely,
2: so when you lose, you have to you
3: have to kill yourself, yes, yeah Okay. So <laughs> you you're, feel still, like it you're anyway. still in so you're still in the pool <laughs> no I lost in like week three mm. that's, that's the other thing is like you have to strategically pick teams that you think you know that you don't want to pick the best team too early you yeah, want to pick right. them later on so like well, you haven't d- seen
2: how people are playing yet right so right. Like the
3: first the first couple of games you want to make sure you pick definite winners and then when you have upsets which are teams that are really bad that go and beat a team mm-hmm. that's really good sure then it's uh, then that throws everything off and that's and,
1: of and you're also going to be looking out every every week you're going to be looking out for not great teams that are in with a good chance so yes. you can seize your opportunity to have to pick them that week.
3: Right. Yeah. So then you're like, oh, okay, the Raiders are playing uh, Jacksonville this week, and Jacksonville's terrible and Oakland's terrible, but Oakland's not quite as terrible as Jacksonville. So this so is this your is chance is the to- week, I think Oakland can win. Right. Yeah, yeah, but you
2: have to take in so many variables with that. You have yeah. to be like, Okay, Oakland isn't doing so well, but there was a big dog fight last night. <laughs> They're probably hungover. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, <laughs> um guys do you want to get a let's get anisa in
0: here yeah let's get anisa going we have with us on the line dr anisa ramirez um author of the book newton's football which we all just completed reading and uh, enjoyed very much um anisa is a uh has a phd in material science engineering from stanford is a former professor of engineering at yale and visiting professor at mit And among other things, you developed, uh, according to Wikipedia at least, a universal solder that can bond metal to glass, ceramics, diamond, and semiconductor oxide substrates. Is this all true?
4: It is true. Well, you can
0: put anything on Wikipedia, but it's actually true, too. Nice. you've, you've had uh, quite quite an impressive career and uh, and now you've turned your, your sights on the science of, of football
4: yeah I, I left all that behind uh, My main mission is to get people excited about science and you know doing it from the laboratory and from from my academic position was fine but I actually wanted to just have a broader re- reach so I decided to take a leap and do what I call science evangelism. Not right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what was the
0: impetus for this this book in particular? Like, what, Are you a lifelong football fan?
4: No. I hope that's come across it. I I didn't know a thing about football. And so I've gone from uh, zero to, uh, not a hero, but zero to probably a newbie at this point. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I put together a small video for kids on the science of football and my colleague, Alan St. John, his – his agent saw it and said, you know, there may be a collaboration between Alan who focuses on sports and myself. And so it was kind of an arranged marriage, but it really worked out.
0: Yeah. The book's really interesting. I, I I come from uh, a football family, but I'm embarrassed about how little I knew about the sport and about its evolution. And, uh, (laughs) Like my my grandpa was the the voice of Michigan football for forty oh. years. He was the broadcaster. Wow. I have no excuse. Like I really, I think I sort of rebelled against it because our whole family was so into it. So I just like got into. Well, uh,
2: it, it is amazing to me, Anissa, that I, I, as someone that knows very little about football, you took it upon yourself to write a comprehensive history of Newton, Minnesota's football program. <laughs> and, and it is. I, I loved the book. I mean, it was. It was. Uh, I'm not sure Jesse did
0: his research. Anissa. No, I,
2: I definitely. Uh, no, great great high school teams there, and I. I, I, um, and I was really enjoyed the, the stuff in the 70s was intense <laughs>
0: <laughs> no I loved uh, one of the most interesting parts of it to me was hearing about the early days of the sport I didn't realize how violent it was and, and how like the concussion controversy that's happening now was a similar thing was happening 100 years ago but it was with deaths people were actually dying <laughs> like yeah, yeah that was-
4: people were actually dying I mean you think about it. The coaches back then um, they studied things like military history, so they would put <laughs> together these strategies to really kill somebody. Oh um, and wow. back then they didn't they didn't have helmets and the like, so people were dying. There were there. I was looking at statistics. There's like one year, eighteen people died from playing football. Was that uh, all one team? Was that like on one no. day? That'd be awful. <laughs> that was that was, a, that was a really bad day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, that wasn't one team. That was just a, a accumulation of all the teams. But back then they didn't have helmets. They wore maybe wool hats, you know, maybe a head <laughs> helmet. But um, there weren't that many that,
3: teams back then either. Right. There, say were, that again, there, I'm sorry. Were, there were a lot less teams back then as well. Right.
4: There were less teams, but it was just really, it, it was, it, they shouldn't have called it football. They should have called it mug that guy. <laughs>
2: right, right. It's back when they still allowed swords on the field, which, which I always thought was a strange. Get
4: careful of the swords, exactly. Yeah, but the play that was popular
0: was the Flying Wedge, which was basically like 10 guys running after one guy, hoping to
4: kill yeah. him, sort of. It's, the way I was thinking about it was essentially, you know, you think of bowling, uh, you have the bowling ball and the pins. This time, the pins are mugging the bowling ball. Oh, yeah. my God. Right.
1: And and you did a sort of in the book you do a sort of back of the envelope calculation of just the the mass the combined mass of eleven full grown men running That's at right. a single person and the, right. the momentum change it is it was sort of roughly roughly a, a truck moving at around
4: twenty twenty five miles an hour wasn't it it's either a truck or a killer whale falls on you
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow
4: two point five tons wow <laughs> and I
1: I can't remember the name of it, like the first guy who was the the target of this play. But this had this this had never been done before, right? And they just ran. This had never been done before, and they just decided they just ran at this one one bloke, one guy.
4: Yeah, they this poor soul. He was just a target, and he just got run over by this uh, this uh, momentum of of humanity. (laughs) That's crazy. Did he
3: survive? Oh, he he survived, but I don't think he played the next day. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, they say in football nowadays, like every after every game, it's like being in a car a car accident, like a really violent car accident. Your yeah. body goes through that almost at every play. Jeez. So every time you get hit, it's like having whiplash or getting in a car crash. Yeah.
4: Well, it's true. Every time you every time your head gets hit, um, and and they get hit dozens of times. Uh that's equivalent to going 25 miles per hour into a wall. Jeez. Wow. Which they do it, they do it hundreds of times a game.
0: Yeah. And you get into um the the concussion debate is is a is a big part of the book um and the fact that uh helmet technology hasn't really gotten to where it should be and and even though we're getting to the point that now people aren't getting these gruesome injuries they used to get in the field, everything's internal and just as bad but just yeah, you make, brain you, injuries.
1: You make the point that if if anything, like in a, in some senses, improved protective gear has actually made the game more dangerous because right. it's made people more likely to fly headfirst into someone yeah. and take bigger Risk. bigger hits and bigger risks.
4: Absolutely. It was kind of a counterintuitive idea that, you know, when you put something to make the game more safe, it actually made it more dangerous. And it's not just football that this has happened. If you notice, uh, there are people who have really, really safe cars and they're like the worst drivers. Yeah. Right. Because they change their amount of risk because they believe that they're safer because of the car, uh, because of the safety fe- features in the car. And so we saw this with football. You know, we designed the helmet to prevent concussions. Uh, and then we added in the face mask, which we thought was innocuous. But the, the face mask gave people permission to use their heads because they weren't going to break their noses. And so now we have this new problem, which is concussions. Mm-hmm
2: so uh, i I assume in the future um, all players will just be in some sort of plastic bubble um, sort of rolling around They'll the be field shot
3: out of cannons at each other yeah,
2: yeah, it'll just sort of be um, it'll just be redundant for there to even be people so robots. <laughs>
3: I think it'll just be bubble wrap.
4: Like, you start off, you just get bubble wrapped, and then you hit each other like sumo wrestlers. What a a
2: fun-sounding game that would (laughs) be. That'd be so fun.
3: I have heard the argument that they just, like, in order to make the game safer, they should take away the helmets. Like, people would be a lot more cautious, and they would use a little bit more thought process maybe before running into somebody well
0: that's what you posit at the end of the book but then somebody came out and said well like yes that you would behave more conservatively but that then you go back to actual deaths happening so there's an
3: in-between that has yeah to and then nobody wants to watch that game right <laughs> you don't think well that's true um, unfortunately
4: you know, nobody wants to watch actually uh that scientist and i are having a debate um on on another uh as a blog where he's taking pro helmet and i'm taking against ham- helmet uh position well, and i don't think that we should ban the helmets because you know we will get deaths but i do think we need to do something drastic because we're kind of in this mire we're like okay we have this problem of concussions and 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 no one's changing their behavior and there's no incentive to change the behavior yeah. So knowing that your head's going to get hurt is big incentive. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't
2: the incentive be perhaps if you were in the NFL making like 50 grand a year instead of, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like instead you, of $5 million. Instead of $5 million, wouldn't you look out for yourself a little more? I mean, I, I would assume when all professional sports started, they were just normal. They were lay yeah. people just getting paid very little.
4: I mean, oh, some of them didn't even get paid. Yeah. Yeah yeah it's a it's a good point there's there's huge incentives to be an nfl player i mean you get maybe a two three year window for a career and there's huge payoffs afterwards um and and concussions are kind of invisible you you can't take an x-ray and say okay i'm gonna get cte down the road yeah Well, this
1: this is is also like recent development in the science of it where it was previously thought like big concussions bad but like these minor ones you shake off whereas now it 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 seems to be more apparent that a series of minor of many, many, minor concussions over a period of years is can be disastrous.
4: That's right. So the data is just kind of coming on board with the CTE and uh, these sub concussive blows. We, we still don't know very much. I mean, concussions have been around for a long time. There's ancient scrolls that talk about concussions. And, um, and there was this, uh, this uh, medical condition called punch drunk. So boxers have had this notion of concussions mm-hmm. and CTE for some time. It's just that uh, football is just really at the heart of American sports. And so that's really what's highlighting the issue.
3: When you say CTE, can, what is that? Is that the oh,
4: medical term for the... Yeah. For- Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Right. It's a, brain, it's a degenerative disease. It's akin to al- Alzheimer's. Right. And a lot of uh, NFL retired NFL players who have passed away, they've donated their brains. And they had this um, condition where their brains just didn't look right. And it's because they had this this disease. That's Junior
3: Seau. That's like when all of the athletes, when they were killing themselves, they weren't shooting themselves in the head so that their brain could get steady. They were shooting themselves in the chest. That's right. Which is so traumatic, but it's allowing... People to study the brain because they they have such huge pain problems and they like it's an invisible pain throughout yeah. the body. Yeah,
4: you can imagine the you know the devastation that they're feeling, um, where they you know want to have their brain studied and they're trying to they're trying to keep it. It's a very it's a huge sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and there's many players who have done that who, who shot themselves in the chest uh, to kind of save their brains for it to be studied. I
2: had no idea. Yeah. How, how? What's the the suicide rate on football players? It's
3: a big problem. I, it's becoming. I a don't big. know
4: that off the top of my head, but I do know that um, we talked to Bob Cantu and Bob Stern, and they had at the time when we talked to them about a year ago, they had about thirty five NFL brains, and thirty four of them had CTE.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Jeez. It's also
3: yeah. it's also just like. Um, like even players that only played for like two or three years are coming out. And like the NFL just made gave a settlement, like seven hundred million dollars to all of like their former athletes. But that's actually of,
1: not very much at all when no, you divide by the not, number of players. Yeah, when
3: you divide by the number of players and um you have to play three years to even get or is it three or five? I think it's between three and five to get your full retirement and benefits after you uh-huh. play. Which right. is, it's uh it's so cra it's like it's like being in the military and then not getting health insurance when you come home. Right, Even though like, right. you,
2: So it's like being in the military.
3: <laughs> oh. Yeah, just having, not having health
4: insurance. I, don't yeah. think, I think people are happy that the NFL is doing something, but I don't think they're satisfied with what they've done. Well,
3: it's been, really, it's been really traumatic for the NFL, too, and it's been really eye-opening because so many former players who are really famous, like Brett Favre and um, Kurt Warner, have said, like, I'm not letting my kid play football. And yeah, when you yep. have people like that who are some of the most famous quarterbacks from the NFL saying, "No, I don't want my child to play. I don't want his body to go through what mine has gone through," that's right. a real that's a real big slap in the face to the NFL, and they they don't want that on their on their plate. Yeah,
0: Anisa, in, in the book, you said that there was a, a former player who I forgot his name who um, has gone on to become a, the, this sort of advocate of a new style of tackling that's not leading with the head but kind of exploding upwards and going chest forward. Yeah, like, this is.
4: This is a gentleman. His name is Bobby Hosea, and he's done a lot of made-for-TV television shows um, and used to play in college. So his, he had the dilemma that Brett Favre and many other football players have is that his son said, hey, I'd like to play football. Mm-hmm. And he just knew that it was, it was a dangerous game. So how do you create this game so that you aren't attacking or tackling with your head? Right. So he started this youth uh, program. It's called Big Hits. It's an acronym. I don't remember what it stands for. Um, where they teach kids um, you know, they call them positions like the shamu. You can remember from SeaWorld, where Shamu will land on the surface and he'll kind of curl up his net his tail and his head will be curled
3: up. And then land on his side? Yeah.
4: No, so what you're doing is you're you're tackling, but you're using your chest. You're not right. you're not going in with your head. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and and people think that the game is gonna change because of this, but then there's people who have who've taken Bobby Jose's approach and are huge uh football players now like deshaun goldson because mm-hmm. i'm just
1: i'm just thinking that the games like the, the the other games which are similar to football uh to american football like australian rules football and then rugby union rugby league which right. don't have paddings and don't have helmets and therefore they obviously don't tackle with the head they tackle with they go in with the shoulder mm-hmm. and the and the arms right is that is that this is that the similar style of tackling that they're advocating
4: well, you know, that's that's part of it. You know, football used to be closer to that. Um, before we had the face mask, we used to tackle with our shoulders. Uh, but when we added the face mask, we thought we knew that if we tackled with our heads, our nose wouldn't get broken. So that's what this concussion epidemic kind of started.
1: And it is so, for, for the fans. It's a lot more dramatic to see these like oh, ludicrously. The, the players in American football are substantially bigger and bulky, particularly like the line players are bigger absolutely. and bulkier than the than their equivalents in other in the other sports and they just rat they basically just run into each other and crashes into each other.
4: It's amazing. I mean, it's a, football is a collision sport. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do is just make sure that we can make it as safe as possible.
3: Well, what's interesting too is that these athletes themselves are bigger and stronger, but they're also healthier than they have ever been, you know, really? they're like It's kind of like how, you know, how SNL used to be just like crazy drugs and parties and drinking and now everybody's on Ignatia and eating (laughs) kelchip, you know, like they don't like, it's the same in the NFL. Like you see athletes and they're doing yoga, like Drew Brees is like does yoga every day and like all, all of them do yoga and pilates and then they also like eat have this really healthy re- regimen and like some of them are vegan yeah, <laughs> like, crazy. it's so crazy like so their bodies inside are as healthy but they're just jeopardizing it by running into each other full speed because i,
1: I love those like when you see like sports sportsmen from the earlier half of the 20th century and mm-hmm. before where they're like oh they they were just they were drunk. They mostly. were drunk. <laughs> they they were eating
3: pizza left. in the clubhouse. Like they never. They <laughs> right. They're like shit.
1: they're like smoking while they're batting. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: they're <right>. Very <laughs> weird. Yeah.
3: And then you have people exactly. in the NFL. Like uh, I don't know if you know Ricky Williams, but Ricky Williams um, played for Miami and uh, and uh, in Dallas, I think. But he uh, he kept getting kicked out of the NFL because they kept finding marijuana in his system. Right. And that was the only drug he would take. He wouldn't take any pills. He wouldn't take any shots or anything like that. And ultimately he ended up quitting the NFL, even though like he, people kept bringing him back when he would test clean because he was such a phenomenal running back. Uh-huh. But ultimately he quit the NFL and he started like this yoga retreat because he just didn't like hitting people. <laughs> <laughs> he's like this ginormous guy, but all like he's super emotional and he cries a lot <laughs> and he doesn't like hitting people or hurting people and he just wants to smoke weed and make sure everybody's happy and they drink like happy tea. I'm not even kidding. Like he, They did a whole story on it. On yes. Yeah, awesome. it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> well, you talk- I think I did see that. Yeah, he's a he's a really fascinating guy. In the book, you
0: talk about how much specialization there's been over the last few decades, and how much bigger the biggest players have gotten. Like you, you chart the, uh, I guess, was it like the the heaviest guy in the draft every year.
4: And, yeah, and yeah.
0: It the the change in the last yeah thirty or forty years is is ridiculous. Like how much bigger guys it's have like Three
1: hundred pounds used to be the limit. Like the first three hundred right. pound player, and now it's
4: yeah everybody's three now it's everybody's three hundred pounds yeah. and, and so I think a lot of football players are healthy, but I think a lot of them are obese Yes, um, for sure and you know three hundred pounds is is a lot of weight and they're they're three hundred pounds and up and what's and they're also kind of freaks of nature, right you know they they're big guys and they're fast mm hmm Usually you get a big guy not fast or a skinny guy fast. This is big and fast. Yeah, yeah
0: it's crazy. Some of those 40 times that people were posting. who were-
1: which, which is a ridiculous. That, that's momentum, like velocity times mass. Then that's the momentum of what's colliding in with you.
4: Right. That's right. And we, we actually uh, do a chapter where we, we have a fantasy football draft that Sir Isaac Newton would do. And his... All he needs is two bits of data he know he needs to know how heavy the player is and how fast they go in the in the 40 yard dash and the guy that Sir Isaac Newton we posit would choose is Aaron Gibson who's three hundred and eighty five pounds and can do a five four who does Damn. he play and, for he, sorry does he play now I don't know he's him. not playing anymore yeah. uh thankfully he's huge. <laughs> <laughs> He's huge, but he he would generate the most momentum out of every player in the last uh, twenty
3: years. I remember growing up. Do you remember Refrigerator Perry? Of course, oh, you yeah. know And oh, yeah. there was the icebox. Like they all played for the Chicago Bears. Like the yeah. year that the Bears were like the greatest football team ever, and they had the Super Bowl Shuffle, and they did a dance, and they were all that, fat. That's what's and
1: amazing is not only were they the best team, but they were the best rappers. <laughs> <I>
4: know. <laughs> it was a very good year
3: for them. It was a great year for Chicago, yeah. and uh, but yeah, that I mean that was just. Like oh he's just huge. He did, like there yeah. wasn't a lot of muscle. He was just built like refrigerator, and he well, ate like one. Was
4: perfect. The name was perfect. Refrigerator. Yeah. Right. Well, what, but
2: is there a lot of muscle? I mean, whenever I watch one of those uh, like strongman competitions, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah. those are just
1: fat guys.
2: But they're like dragging a truck or something. Yeah. So they. Cl- there's well, there's obviously a, muscle under there. There's obviously muscle yeah. under there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. There's a di- I guess that's the difference in physique between a, a bodybuilder and a weightlifter, where they're like the bodybuilder's sculpt and they work on very specific things that cause definition, whereas the weightlifters are just how can I pick up the heaviest damn right, thing? Right. And some of that is having extra, like just weight anyway, because you, you it's leg weight too uh, for leverage and that, but a lot it is muscle. Like they're ridiculously strong. Yeah. Now is the
2: curve of um, mass in football players? does that sort of match the curve of the mass of the general American public these days? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Are there, are no, yeah. I mean, we're, we're all getting no, huge,
4: you know, it's a good question. We asked, we asked people who study human height and we are getting taller. Um, but football players are getting taller at a, at the football players are being selected for their size. So they don't exactly match what's going on in the United States.
0: Okay. Right. Well, you did talk about how
4: um,
0: one of the theories that might – like a possible solution to the concussion epidemic would be a return to having less specialized players. Like in the early days of the sport when everyone was kind of the same build and had to do a lot of different things, and that A11 offense that that one high school had to develop because they didn't have big guys, um, you were saying that maybe if that became legal again, which I guess now it's not allowed in right. in college or, or pro, which it was basically like there wasn't any – you don't designate which players are eligible receivers until right at the snap, sort of. Like anybody could be – basically you don't know what position anybody is until the play starts.
4: Isn't yeah, that it's, really, it's-, it's really a, a fun play because it's sort of like peekaboo. You don't know what's going to happen. But th- this was a case where coaches were fairly desperate. They had a team of really scrawny, fast kids, and they were playing teams that were huge. So what did you do? Uh, they found a loophole in the rules that allowed them that anybody could be an eligible player or a- eligible receiver. And so, um, so it was very hard for the other team to figure out who was going to get the ball. And so, um, so a 11 might be one pathway to keep people safe, uh, but it will move us away from specialization, big guys, really fast guys to an overall, you know, Renaissance kind of player. Uh-huh. Um, but I do think that concussion. I mean, collus- collisions are going to still be part of the game because that's what makes it so exciting.
0: Right, right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you talk about the uncanny valley aspect of it, how there's the parallel between like people want to see violence up to a certain point. But then it, at, at, when it gets to the point that it's very real and it's rem- reminding them that there's a person being hit, suddenly the crowd stops cheering. It goes completely silent when a player stops moving on the field.
4: Yeah, that was something that was very surprising to us, uh, Alan St. John and I, when we were writing the book, uh, because we were thinking, you know, football's in sort of an icky place. Like, we enjoy it, but there's, also, it's, there's some ickiness, and you can't really figure out what's going on. And so we found that this, uh, this old paper by this Japanese robotist, his name is Mori, and he found this uh, – he plotted this graph where the closer a robot looked like to a human – versus how um, much a person would be attracted to wanting to interact with this human. And so as it become, as it looked more and more human, people wanted to interact with it much, much more. But then it got to a point where it got icky and people would say, get this thing away from me. Hmm. And he called, he called that the uncanny Valley because, um, and it's, and actually monkeys have been tested and they also have an uncanny Valley too. So it makes us feel like there's some kind of genetic thing going on where, when something looks off or looks ill, we feel repelled because we don't want to be next to that. We might get the same sickness. We don't want to mate with that. You know, it's just nasty, and so we feel like football has kind of entered that. It's it's fun. Collisions are exciting, but when someone doesn't get up after a long, long time, we've got a problem.
0: Yeah, and the crowd goes silent. Can I,
1: Sarah, as as a fan, as a fan of football, as a as a avid football watcher, how how do you feel like feel about the like is there a bit of you When you watch football That's like ah, oh, I don't know If I should be enjoying this On the level that I am Because these people Are damaging themselves Well Sarah just wants To see men suffer
2: <laughs> yeah. Which I think Is an, an
3: important
2: uh, Important draw for her I, I uh, We yeah, discussed I it Yeah I completely we dis- agree No yeah I mean you've hit me In the face repeatedly When we've done <laughs> shows together
4: Um
3: Everybody has their motivation. I think it's exciting. It's fast moving. And it's, uh, I think you watch it. Like for me, I really love watching it for the catches, like the, Mm. the big wide receiver catches, the, the throws and stuff like that. So when you see people go down, like yesterday, Adrian Peterson got hurt. Gronkowski got a ACL injury yesterday. Like Mm. he's out for the season. Like there've been so many people who have been hurt this year, like famous, famous players who everyone expected to do really well. Um, but no, I don't feel guilty at all. I mean, I guess like, that's the sport. We watch it. Right. We know what you're getting into. And uh, a lot of players, you know, there was a guy from the Packers this year that was just like, I'm out. I'm done. He just quit. <laughs> yeah. Like after two games, he was like, I'm not playing anymore. I don't want my contract renewed. Wow. And he, yeah. you know, he lost like half a million dollars, but he was like, it's not worth it. When he quit. Yeah.
4: Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's that's pretty deep.
3: Yeah. <laughs> So that's, I mean, I mean, I feel like, you know, you know what you're getting into. and Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, I, think,
4: I think the adults, the NFL, they know what they're getting into, but I don't think young kids know mm-hmm, what they're getting mm-hmm. into. Uh, and when everybody's trying to get into colleges and use whatever uh, skills they have to, to offset the cost of colleges and they're willing to play football or what have you, you know, there there are some risks that they're not really aware of. Well, maybe that's a di- Absolutely. That is different. Maybe there
1: is then s- scope for, like, different rules between the the amateur the college game and the pro game in the same way that you know boxing amateur boxers have go in with like in the olympics they go in with the pads and they they box for fewer rounds and then when they step up to professional then they don't have the head they don't have the headgear and they run for like 10 rounds
4: that's Maybe. that's right. That's right. We talked to a couple of uh, neurologists and and we asked them would you let your children or grandchildren play football and they were absolute they said absolutely no. Except
1: yeah. for one really creepy guy who said yes and seemed
4: quite
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hmm.
4: We don't know his motives, but they, would say, <laughs> they they would want them to play something like soccer or something else and then if they want to do football in college because college they they do some things to make sure that you don't get hurt. They limit the amount of practice mm-hmm. that you can't practice with, uh, you know, full on tackles. And so they limit your opportunity for um, getting hurt. And they also have better medical staff.
2: Wow. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
4: yeah. I mean, the wee football teams they don't have anybody on the no. on the sidelines with any kind of medical i
3: know a lot of i know like even the peyton manning and eli manning uh who are you know really famous and their mm. and their um father archie manning who was like a legendary football player he was a big quarterback he didn't allow them to play football until they were in seventh grade until they were in middle school oh, like wow. didn't even wasn't even like and that's that's you know that's to, what I've
2: told my daughter about stripping. <laughs> I, said, I said not not until seventh grade, you know. But
3: that's incredible no. to me that like somebody as big and as famous as Archie, yeah. who obviously like his kids are two of the most famous quarterbacks in the league now. They've both won Super Bowls, but they didn't even start playing until seventh grade, when their bodies were a little bit more stronger right. and and they were able to focus more on like their injuries and not getting hurt so much. That was wow. a big concern for him. Yeah.
4: Well, we talked to some neuroscientists and they said that it's also good because it, as we all know, that brains aren't fully developed and not just, not, not just like, you know, being able to learn, but also, um, they're not rigid and so they can't, uh, withstand impact as well. Um, if you think of the neurons, the neurons are sort of like these weird little cells and they have this long tail that kind of looks like a telephone, uh, cord and Around the telephone cord, there is this uh, this sheet that protects it, and that's called myelin. Well, when you're very young, your those neurons aren't myelinated. They don't have that that rigid um, protection. And so when they get hurt, uh, when a child gets hurt, it, it's harder for them to uh, get back to normal. It takes them a longer amount of time. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for you not to have them do these sport, these sports where they may get concussed at an early age because their brains can't handle the injury. Right.
3: right, right. And also, like, one of their other, the other brother, the oldest brother, the, uh, the other Manning brother, uh-huh. <laughs> that's what everybody always calls him. He did get, uh, hurt in college and, uh, he was unable to play football, like, forever. And he had, but he had a special condition on his spine. Like, he was literally, like, one play away from death. His oh, whole life, Jeez. and uh, but they caught it, they found it, and then he's not able to play football anymore. So I think that that made the family more cautious as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's also you know they're quarterbacks, so they're not like on the they're not a lineman. They're a little more protective. They're a little theory. bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in the NFL, is really protective of quarterbacks. Yeah,
0: that's right.
3: Only that's right. so much.
0: Well, <laughs> well uh, I, I hate to make it sound like the whole book is about like the downs, the negatives, and the, the violence. Well, sure, sure. sure. Yeah. You,
1: you spend a lot of time talking about like things like game theory and chaos theory. It, like the the book The book seems to be like split in in style between explaining the science behind football but then also just using football as a launch pad to teach science to teach to teach scientific ideas
4: yeah we we would say when people asked us we would say look the the game uh, this book helps f- uses football to teach science and science to teach football. And we tried to make it as equally as possible. Um, and it wasn't, they weren't forced analogies. They were things, you know, because I, I made it, I was pretty emphatic saying, hey, we can't force things. Let's, right. let's really see yeah. what's going on. And I don't want to do a book that's been done before where we're looking at forces and vectors and stuff. That's been done and that won't engage people. We want to do something that's stealthy so that people have a new take on football if they're football fans already. And if they're not football fans, they're like, hey, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, so that's dude. kind of what we were shooting for.
0: yeah, I like the uh, the Vince Lombardi section was really interesting. I didn't know that he was a science teacher before he was a coach.
4: yeah, who knew Vince Lombardi was a big nerd yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's cool. Yeah. He taught he taught chemistry and physics before he was a coach, and it kind of makes sense uh, that you know he had the he had the right glasses for, to be a nerd right sure, now. sure. but he you know it kind of makes sense the way that he did his plays, which was very strategic and very methodical. And, and what Alan and I posit is that when he was choosing plays, he wasn't a big fan of the pass. So if you're, if you're going to choose if you're going to run or if you're going to pass, you can't run all the time because it's going to be expected. So you have to pass occasionally, um, so that you can get some yards. And so the mix that he did was right up there, up the alley with the game, with game theory. Um, game theory is, is the, um, is a part of mathematics where you, Make decisions based on information about how much you're going to get for that information. They call that payoffs. And when we looked at how he played and we looked at his statistics for uh, his number of runs and pass, he did it just like a game theorist. Now, I don't think he studied game theory, but he did it instinctually.
1: But he looked at like the, the payoff matrix for, well, if you, if you run if you run and they guess that you're going to run you get this many yards and if you run and they guess you're going to pass, you get this many yards. And if they, you pass and they think you're going to run or if you pass and they think you're going to pass. And the worst, the worst of those outcomes is, is, is you say in the book is you pass and they guess that you're going to pass. That's
4: right. So if you, if you pass and they guess you're going to pass, you're going to get no yards. Um, the least worst case is if, if you run and they guess you're going to pass, you're going to get a couple of yards, maybe three yards so he used a lot of passing. Me, he used a lot of running plays, but he had to mix it up um, because if he ran all the time, well, you know that's going to get old. That's not exciting, and also the other team's going to figure out how to counter what he's doing. So
3: right. it's all probability. So yeah, that's
4: right. yeah. So we put a probability to how many times he's going to do run plays and how many times he's going to do pass plays based on this payoff matrix that we just spoke about, and it, that's exactly what game theory is all about.
3: It is really interesting to me how these guys hit each other in the head so much. Yet they know an entire other language. <laughs> I mean, because football is its own language. I mean, if you and I were to look at football plays and like at yeah. a book, and it's, they it's have to study like these plays, and they they're constantly changing the names of the plays every week. The names that cha- all of the plays are changed. <laughs> their names are changed. It's like being a cook at Waffle House. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't use a digital no, thing. They, yeah,
2: they don't use. It's it. all called out. It's all called out. You have to smothered cover. Yeah, you up. have yeah. to stand on you have to stand on the brown tile on the floor and call it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've studied these people. I'm working. I'm working on a, a science of Waffle House book.
4: All right, um, there you go. Yours is will be waffle in language. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. And <laughs> but it's,
3: how they have they do have so many orders in their head, and it's not even written down. Yeah, it's not written remi- down anywhere. Yeah, and these are people who n- not graduated high school,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, right? These are these are people where I mean,
1: you know, they don't have dental. They're, they're
0: heavily concussed. Um, they're back in, those, in the kitchen, they're always hitting each other in the head. It's yeah. amazing that they're able it's, to. It's that, that always
1: impressed me as well with the the mental arithmetic that darts players do. Oh yeah, where again, like you, like you you wouldn't necessarily have them down as the person who knows that if you've got 121 right, left to go, you need to get, like, a treble. I, I can't even do it right, right now. Right, and you're insanely drunk. Yeah. And they're
4: just doing <laughs> this...
3: And you've got a dart. Yeah. And you've got a dart. Oh, yeah. You've got a weapon. There's tension now, in the
1: crowd, and they, they instantly know that this is what you need to finish on a double.
3: Now, this kind of reminds me of the, the Billy Bean book, you know, the, uh, the baseball movie that they just did with... The, the Moneyball? Moneyball, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's right. all about, like... Uh, statistics and like well he gets on base and that's why we want him right, like, right. all they wanted they built a whole team out of like shleby players and all they did was get on base they walk more than anybody they
0: well that's isn't that sort of what i mean maybe not, the analogy isn't perfect but like well vince lombardi's strategy wasn't glamorous it was just eking out yards slowly with running plays but if, you know yeah that's it, it was
1: maximizing opportunity rather than, that yeah.
3: also takes, that's, right, that's asks, right capitalizes on the clock right when you have a, the ball, the, the possession of the ball, the more you have the ball, the longer sure. the other team doesn't.
4: Right. That's right. True. Well, the thing that you're saying about, there's, it seems like there's these universal laws, universal ways that we as humans interact, whether it's in the domain of football or in, in science. And I just feel that that's really cool. And if you can step back and you put together a sports writer and a scientist, you get an opportunity to kind of see how things are happening. The same, the same things are happening in two different arenas.
0: Right, right.
2: Yeah. Now, so no no this this might sound I mean I no I hope
0: <laughs> what have we got coming up <laughs> here. No. no idea. I've always
2: wondered the um the scientific evolutionary reasons for cheerleaders. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. No,
2: no, I, there wasn't a cheerleader chapter but, No, yeah. I'm I, exactly, but I mean that like like the the um there's something about uh, and and I don't mean I know it's there to like pump up the crowd or something, but there's something about performing for these there's something very alpha i don't know what I'm trying to say without sounding like a total
1: asshole, but there's something <laughs> about um there's something like the the same way you sort of might prime a racing animal by putting yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like there. You know, there's these there's these uh, dancing shiny things beside you, and you're like, I'm I, I gotta get in there. I gotta get that touchdown. <laughs> you know, like I I'm I'm pretty sure if a football game was just all men and all men in the crowd, no one would play. They would all just go to a diner together. <laughs> <laughs> because what's yeah, the, what, what's I, the I point? Really... They would just walk off the field.
3: <laughs> the I don't
4: know the origin of of cheerleading. It's a good question. Maybe the next one will be you know. Um, you know Newton's cheerleaders I don't know <laughs>
1: well so that's that's a whole different story <laughs> <though. That's>, Darwin's, <laughs> Darwin's cheerleaders maybe maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh,
4: but geez. you know there there's there's things that we do and we don't remember why we have them you know mm-hmm. like sure the helmet, the helmet was designed for one thing and we we're like well how can we have all these concussions the helmet was never designed for concussions so we have these other things like cheerleaders and other roles I, I don't know where where they come from I would have to I would have to look at the history
3: it's very interesting because they cheer when you're losing, too. <laughs> right.
4: They don't stop. When you're doing like,
3: bad things, they're still cheering. They
4: don't pack it in. Yeah. You know, the, the ancient Egyptians used to have people that they would pay to mourn, and there were people who didn't know who had died, but they were paid to grieve and beat themselves in the chest and, you know...
2: Yeah. My, my grandpa did that in his wealth. Well. <laughs> he, uh, he, he,
1: he was a real jerk. He had to have about uh, he, 50 paid actors to show up. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> my, my grandfather used to go to people's funerals that he didn't really know. What he just—I don't know. Did just he like, really? He part, yeah, like pe- just people in—he was v- like involved with the community, and would just sometimes just—he
3: go- like flowers. Go to yeah. go to the funeral, just like Fight
1: yep, Club. Just, just go to the
0: support groups. For <laughs> yeah.
3: cancer it's kind of have. like how when I need to cry, I go watch a movie in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs>
2: that. right. Just anything for an open bar. So
3: nobody sees. <laughs> <Yeah. two posts.
4: laughs>
2: wow. Now, you, you did discuss some of the um, – you, you talked a lot about the theories of, of uh, fourth down and the, the going for the two points versus um, – or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, a, I'm completely off here. Going for it on what fourth is, down? Yeah, going, going. for it on the fourth or not versus right. not. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Well, like from the science side, because that's what I know best, it, it, just, it shows that coaches avoid risk. And so we talked to some folks over at Yale who study monkeys and they taught them how to uh, use money. And it ends up that a monkey could give you a coin and you would show them one grape. And then when they gave you the coin, you'd give them two. And then in another case, a monkey would give you a coin, you'd show them three grapes. And then when they gave you the coin, you would give them two. Now, the monkey didn't want to interact with the person who offered three but only showed two, even though the net for both cases was two. Right. So it ends up that we have some kind of genetic link that we don't like Uh, We don't like risk. We don't like negative negativity. In fact, negativity is perceived two and a half times greater than the positive. If you were to get um, if you were to find twenty dollars on the floor and then get a ticket for twenty dollars, that ticket's going to suck more than you finding twenty dollars. Right. So we found that this is probably what's going on with coaches. Uh, They don't want to hear it from the front office and the like about uh, if they do something risky, if it doesn't if it doesn't help them win. So they'd rather do something conservative and lose because that's going to be less risk-taking and less scary than if they do something risk-taking and they really lose. People are going to be pissed off.
3: I feel like, like I'm okay with it when the Falcons go for it on fourth down. I just wish they would go for it on third down. <laughs> so okay, second so, and second well, <laughs> sure sure just, yeah. just, just the just whole go, going for it all <laughs> yeah it's just proper for all
2: the time yeah it wasn't a good sign when they started bringing sleeping bags to their sidelines I, th- I thought that was a little you know yeah. like guys let's care a little and they
3: fired the cheerleaders yeah they <laughs> fired the cheerleaders
1: um, <laughs> just for sarcasm
3: <sock> a- <laughs>
2: now haven't they they've done there was one coach I saw this on ESPN or something um, <laughs> no you didn't uh, no I okay, did uh, no no uh, <laughs> No, occasionally I'm in a bar where it's playing. Oh, I see. <laughs> and the
3: sound is off, so you yeah, saw it.
2: The sound, okay. But it's, sometimes it's closed captioning. Um, so every now and then I'm reading ESPN.
3: <laughs> and
2: uh, there was there's some coach who had figured out mathematically mm-hmm. that after a touchdown, going for the two points versus kicking will even out.
3: Yeah. It'll yeah. always
2: even out at 50-50. So he just really? always goes for the two points every time. Because right. there's, there's still,
3: I think he's in college. Cause, he's a college yeah, coach, yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or
2: else he'd lose his job immediately. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: but um, that that's, that's so interesting. To that. me. Yeah. yeah. Did you,
3: are you any guys, Michigan f-
0: uh, college football fans? Do you watch? Yeah. Did you actually, watch the-
3: Georgia's playing Michigan in the Gator Bowl. Oh, I didn't know they'd already
0: announced what it was. I was yeah. in Ann Arbor for uh, that's where I grew up um, for Thanksgiving. I got to go to the Ohio State game. Oh. And it was after finishing your book, so I was uh, I had a newfound appreciation for what I was seeing. And it was actually Michigan's only good game of the season. They yeah. went, they traded touchdowns all game and like lost by one point. Only mm-hmm. because they went for two, and they could have just kicked the extra point and tied it, but then it would have been this slog of an overtime. We would have lost. The well, they, had, they anyway. had a party to
2: get to <laughs>
0: right? But no, I mean, right. like people, nobody in the audience was mad. Like the coach went for two, didn't get it. We lost by a point, but it was like a valiant loss, and it yeah. was uh and it was like a, a career saving game because the coaching staff was right. all going to be fired, and this one game saved them. And I was thinking about like how you said. A lot of times coaches are more motivated by saving their jobs than by winning games, and they don't take these risks because even if they pay off, they're still seen as unstable, unknown entities, and then they'll be fired because they're not behaving in these
1: predictable... So they have their own little game theory payoff matrix going on. (laughs)
4: That's right. In fact, everybody's got their payoff matrix. Uh, The general managers, the players. The players want to maximize their two years of, three years of play. You know, every, the, spans, the fans have their payoff matrix, and they're all operating at the same
2: right. time. The cheerleaders want to be actresses. The cheerleaders, <laughs> and we the have...
4: cheerleaders like FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that it's about, being, it's, it's about being disciplined and looking at the data. And coaches really taught or really coach from the gut. But now they're getting lots of information, and that's what Moneyball and scorecasting was all about, is like analyzing um, the results of when you do things in certain times of the game. And seeing that, okay, when you do this, you have a certain amount of chance that this is gonna work out. A lot of folks who are coaches don't wanna to listen to that. They wanna, they have this innate understanding of how the game is played. And so listening to the data is really hard. But there's some newer coaches that are really listening to their front offices. They've got people who do analytics all the time and will give them information about. You should do this when you get into this situation, and they are listening, and, and we're seeing that the game is becoming more exciting because of it.
3: Is that is there a variable for instinct? You know what I mean, like, like when a coach like knows he's supposed to do this, but his gut is just telling him that oh, I, I just want to go for it on fourth down. I know I shouldn't, and like we're at this I, part so- of yeah. yeah.
4: I definitely think so. I think Belichick has, uh, and just for me to know that coach's name is kind of author, <laughs> uh, that didn't happen a year ago. But he, he does some things that him. seem very counterintuitive, and they work out. Yeah. So I, th- well, I think he, also he videotapes
3: the other team's practices, right?
2: Which is, Which is illegal. Which is counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know,
3: Bill Belichick has been. This is totally off topic, but he's been cited in like three divorces in uh, New England from like when for hu- videotaping when other husband- girls. <laughs> husbands
2: and and wives
3: are divorcing, and the wives, like, the husbands have named him as, like, the reason that they're getting a divorce because the wife has slept with him.
0: Oh, I thought you meant, like, they're so devastated by the loss and watching the dog.
3: No, he sleeps around with so many women in uh, the. Is that.
2: Is that how much people, like, hate the Patriots, though? Is they're lying <laughs> to, like, just try to describe, like, it's worth a divorce true, to try to get this
4: I, guy fired. I, there's a
3: lot of Patriots for, for different teams, so I, I, I couldn't see why not. I couldn't marry someone who, like, loved the Patriots. That would just, I'd be like, I'm sorry, <laughs> like... We're, we just, we're just too different.
2: <laughs> now, why isn't there a team called the Loyalists?
3: <laughs> the Loyalists? Yeah.
2: And they, they only play the Patriots. It's like a Washington Generals, like Globetrotters <laughs> thing. And they just they lose every time. Let's get a little history going. Yeah, I
3: like it. Yeah. yeah. It's like the
4: Hatfields and the McCoys, but it wouldn't be exciting after a while.
2: Yeah. Well, the Washington Generals won a game, though. They've won one game really? against the Globetrotters. Yeah, they let them win like five years ago, uh... and it was crazy. It was like, it's just <laughs> mayhem. They, they, it's like one out of a thousand.
3: You know? I think the loyalists are uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. They usually lose Patriots yeah, sure, every year. Yeah, sure,
1: sure.
0: Man, I, like how we, I laugh along with that knowingly. Like, why am I saying, yeah, they do? I don't know this. Jeez,
1: I do just from the context of Sarah's
0: joke. Right. Well, yeah, that's what I, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um,
1: sure. um that there, easy.
0: Another, there's another thing that really interested me that I didn't know about um, that I learned in your book, which was that uh, the, the place kicker who lost part
4: of his foot... Yeah, and sort of changed kicking. Uh can you tell, tell us tell us a little about that story? Yeah, we so we did some delving ab- about place kicking cuz uh um and we found this gentleman his name is Ben Agajanian. Um he's probably the oldest New York Giant that's still alive. And he suffered a really heinous accident. Um he was working at some uh, manufacturer had his foot hanging off the edge of an elevator and it chopped off. All uh! of his- yeah. And so he we went from a size 10 shoe to a size 7. And, um, and he was a football player in college. And so when they were, you know, fashioning his foot, he just told the doctors, make the, the front part of my foot, because his toes are gone, make it as flat as possible, because I want to be able to kick. And uh, because of that, he actually had a fantastic career, uh, because the bottom line is that he was able to get more contact with the ball than the kicking style at the time, which was to use the toe. Oh.
1: So because because everyone was toe-kicking, but most people have a, a rounded toe front and he had this l- long, flat toe front, he was making more contact with the ball.
4: That's right. And it was able to go out further. So he, was, he had more it, control. He had much more control and he was able to impart more force on it so it would go further out.
1: And and this developed over the years. Uh, you then talk about the first, um, what's described in American football as uh, soccer-style kicking, which is how the ball is now kicked, which is from That's the... Right from the, the inner sort of meat of the foot.
4: Yeah, well, that's a great story because um, a lot of people want to claim that they are the first to do the soccer-style kick. I've claimed
1: it myself <laughs> when I get drunk. Is that
4: right? I, I was wondering. I was going to ask Matt, you, Matt. Know, sorry that we had to drop that from the book. <laughs> <laughs> but we, well, we were doing some hunting, and we talked to some people and everyone. A lot of people think that they created it. But then we found this really old article uh, from this wonderful gentleman whose name is Fred Bendarski, and his story is that uh, he's a Holocaust survivor and uh, they he was in a concentration camp where they were doing a slow starving. And to, to keep himself occupied, he and his friends uh, played soccer um, and they would use they would make balls out of like rags that they would put into a, a shape of a ball. And I find when to-
2: being slow-starved, that expending energy is the best thing to do. <laughs> um, well,
4: you know, it's it's to keep your mind off the, the starvation. Sure, sure. Um, I'm but sorry. He, no, no, no. It's a, it's a good point. I didn't ask. Him that.
3: <laughs> That's perfect place for a joke, Jesse. <laughs> uh, I'm bad at this. Um,
4: <laughs> no, no, no sweat. So, so, so anyway, he um he created he had this great leg for kicking soccer, and and after the war was over. His family got a relocation ticket to go to some place in Texas that, you know, you can't even find on the map. And, um, you know, he was his fa- his his dad was a farmhand and he went to his first football game and he didn't understand what was going on. He thought people were just getting mugged.
3: <laughs> and wow.
4: and uh, one day some students asked him to play football and they're like, well, kick this ball. And he kicked the ball the way he knew from playing soccer with rags at the concentration camp. And it sailed. And everybody was like, who kicked that? And because of that, he had a football career at uh, Texas and uh, was the first one to use the soccer style in college. Wow.
3: A lot of the kickers in the NFL wear two different shoes. They wear a cleat and then they wear a soccer like booty. And that's yeah. what they kick with is the booty.
0: W- weren't there changes in rules about how much, like, people were trying to get more surface area? And, uh, or am I making this up? And he said, was there something about people trying to get shoes that were going to give them even more? Of oh, edge, yeah. but rules had to be changed about how
1: well you mentioned one player who even wears like a smaller shoe on his yeah. kicking foot
4: yeah he wears a smaller shoe so maybe he takes a side i think he he went down two sizes and then what people also do is they did a whole bunch of things to the ball to try and make it so that uh it was easy easily kicked so they put it in gatorade they armor alled it, they put wd-40 they baked it uh they they barbecued it they did all these kinds of things to the ball to try and um Change the texture so that it was easier to kick, and so that it would fly out when they kicked
1: this. Well, Sarah was talking just b- before you before you joined us. Sarah was talking about um, how humidors. in uh, in Denver when they play because of the the high altitude and dry air, they put the balls in hu- they keep the balls in humidors before the game.
4: Oh, sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. In fact, there's a there's a study about if you if you were to punt a ball at uh, in Denver versus let's say the Meadowlands. Um, same kicker, same style of kicking. The ball going to go out further because the pressure is just lower out in, in uh, Denver. There's just Actually, less air resistance. They
3: broke a world. Uh, uh, the record yesterday was broken for the longest field goal in Denver. Oh, what is it? It was 64 uh, yards Jesus, yesterday. Wow. Uh, the Denver kicker. And that was a guy
2: uh, wearing heels.
3: <laughs> it was a cheerleader. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But 64 yards is the new record. Uh, it's the longest that's field crazy. goal. In, uh, in football history.
2: I love it when uh, they do one of those like halftime competitions where they bring down someone from the stands <laughs> but then they break like a world record. Like that's happened before. You know like uh, someone it hasn't. Like, yeah it totally no has. Way. Like can you throw this can, can you nail this basket it's from happened on, in movies. on top of the jump? Yeah. yeah no, and then sometimes a-, a golden retriever comes out to yeah. finish the game <laughs> oh, okay. and the guy's like true. this isn't in the rule box. No. I saw that documentary. Yeah. That was <laughs> No that, that documentary Airbud. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Golden receiver.
3: Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God!
2: <laughs> What's well, Airbud yeah,
3: That
4: was painful. That was.
2: <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You you deserve uh, you deserve better of us. You deserve said. better um,
4: puns.
0: You deserve better puns. <laughs> so speaking of great distances, um, there's a guy I'd never heard of before. I read the book that you said might have been the greatest quarterback to play the game, but had a very short career. Greg
4: Cook. Who- yeah. We parallel Greg Cook to the butterfly effect. The great, Greg Cook was, was an, a quarterback god. He was supposed to be – you know, it was a 70s. So I looked at pictures and I couldn't quite see it, but he was supposed to be a beautiful specimen of a man. <laughs> oh, <Whoa>, sorry, Greg. <laughs> and had, you know, but he was a 70s, so it was different different haircuts. Yeah, yeah
2: it was a different deal.
4: Throwing arm, he had a throwing arm that was like a bullet and and could just do really great things. And and uh, and so Bill Walsh, who was, the, uh, who was coordinating that part of um, – His football team had this whole plan set up on this wonderful arm where he could throw it as, he could throw it without even having to cock his arm back and get it like all the way down the field. But he got hurt. He played for three games and then he got hurt. And the only alternative quarterback that Bill Walsh had was this other guy who had a much weaker arm. And so he stuck. All these plays that he created aren't going to work. So we call this, uh, the butterfly effect because this, this guy who, allowed football to be one way because he's no longer around. Football had to completely change because Bill Walsh created this thing called the West coast offense, which has been the standard way to play uh, football where instead of throwing all the way down the field, you actually throw across diagonally and the the pass actually is more like a long handoff uh, than it was what it was before. So this quarterback who was, who would have been like one of the best quarterbacks, but just was, his career was just kind of came to a halt um, um, his injury gave rise to this new way of playing football, which we all know today.
1: Which you then compared to chaos theory and the the idea that the tiniest of changes can have a a massive difference in the results.
4: That's exactly right. Um, this whole book has been uh, uh an homage to chaos theory. Um, we we saw that uh, when we talked to Sam Weiss, he he had his story about how he was able to t- change the game as well. Chaos theory is all about if you change the beginning part of a situation, you can drastically change the out- the outcome.
1: Yeah, and we should explain because I think this is something that confused me when I first learned about it and um yeah. is that in a chaotic system, if all the initial conditions were identical, mm-hmm. you would you would still end up with the same result. Uh that- but the the point of something that behaves chaotically is a A fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent difference in the initial systems, like maybe something is slightly offset or moving a a millimeter faster or whatever, Um, a certain distance down the line is in a completely different place and a completely different result.
4: That's right. So that's why it's even got this term butterfly effect, because Edward, Edward Lawrence, who came up with the term, said that a flap of the wing of a butterfly would give rise to tornadoes in Texas. Wow, uh, wow. And so what we have is a person who gets hurt and that changes the way footballs played with the West Coast offense. Right. Or in the case of Sam Weish, he created a no huddle offense by, you know, the huddle, the huddle allowed the other team to rest and to switch out players. But by giving them no time to do this, they have to play this new play uh, in a more tired state and with the r- wrong personnel. And so that's going to drastically change the, the, the outcome of, the, of that play.
0: And didn't the no-huddle offense almost get banned at one point because uh, it just gave rise to these stalemates where the other team would fake an
4: injury to, to give time? Wasn't that something that happened? Or Yeah, people started clowning around because they, they didn't really have a counter. How do you counter the no-huddle offense? And so they they faked injuries because that's one of the things that they could tweak. Nobody can say that you're not hurt. Could and you, so,
1: could, you sorry, could you explain very briefly what the no-huddle offense is? Just, just,
4: oh, yeah. So the no-huddle offense is... Uh, before a play starts you know, the, the football players are going to gather a little bit. Maybe they'll discuss what the next play is going to be. And then the other team is probably switching out personnel because they're guessing what the what the uh, the team's going to do. So if you don't huddle, meaning if you don't have that gathering time and take some time off the clock, you just go straight to the next play and you don't let the other team uh, prepare, then what you've done is you've changed the conditions so they're in your favor because that other team is more tired, And they don't have the right personnel to counter what you're going to do. And so with Sam, Sam Weiss, who kind of who created this, he actually trained his players so that they would never, they wouldn't, they would be able to play without resting. So they were already stronger in that position than the other team, which is resting maybe a minute in between plays. This whole,
1: whole I hadn't really, I guess I hadn't realized um, so much. I I kind of known, but hadn't really realized quite as much until I read this book that. um, the football because it's such a it's a stop start game, whereas like free other free flowing games, that's more like constant strategy and relying on the players' instincts and so on. Mm-hmm. Football is very much like is a is a guessing game, a strategy like a strategy game um, between the the opposing coaches. Absolutely. One team makes a play, and the other team is trying to guess what it is well, they're it's doing. A,
2: it's a turn based game. Yeah, you know.
3: Yeah, it, it's like chess. You get a break. You pause. You right. can think. Cause in football, there's a forty second. Is it forty second clock? I believe it is. I don't You're know. You're asking yeah. the wrong guy. But there's yeah, a play right. clock. No so you have forty seconds between each play. Yeah. Oh, you so always do,
0: even if the clock hasn't
3: stopped. Once, once, uh, once you make a, a play, the clock restarts. 40 That's Forty right. seconds. So what? What you have is time to huddle up. You know, and yeah. then set up your line, and then decide the play. So what a no huddle often does is like instead of waiting till the clock is down to like to five time. seconds, yeah. you're doing it at twenty seconds. Yeah. You know, that's, when the clock's at twenty. That's right.
2: Wow. Now, An- Anissa, you also wrote um, a book called Save Our Science. Uh, yeah. One of the TED books. Now, I, I also looked through that, um, <laughs> and I, I don't mean to uh, I don't mean to uh, get off topic here, but <laughs> no, but it certainly uh, spoke to. I mean, obviously, you're very fun to talk to about this stuff. It makes it very um, uh, easier to understand for me and to grasp because um, I'm a total I I'm bad at football and science. I'm bad at all the things. Um, so you, you certainly talked a lot about more um, like STEM based teaching and things like that. What, what are your thoughts on how to get how to get the uh, the kids interested
4: Well, one of the things that I try to do is, uh, with Newton's football is show them that they already know science. Because the thing is that science is up there in that ivory tower and it doesn't, it feels very far removed from us. Yeah. And so I wanted to bring it back down to, hey, you do it already when you cook, when you make decisions. This is all STEM, science, technology, engineering and math happening already. So for kids, I think what you got to do is get their hands dirty. Uh, you know, you know, they call it project-based learning. It's one of these acronyms. But you give them something, some task that they need to solve that employs all these different parts of STEM, science, and technology, engineering, and math. And if, when I was in class, you know, they would say learn this and you kind of just memorize it and you just kind of regurgitate it on a test. Right. But you didn't really learn. But if you have a project and you need to solve something, you're going to learn it because you want to solve that problem. Right. That's, that's the impetus. And so one of the things I threw out in Save Our Science is that you got to get kids' hands dirty uh, and have them uh, so that will make science feel more like something that they can use and not this distant, uh, far out, hard to do thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, well listen. Great. The book, the book that we all just read uh, is Newton's Football. And that's the book that's out now.
0: And we're going to link to uh, the Amazon uh, way to buy that on ProbablyScience.com. And we'll also link to some other videos that has done, including um, Science Explained and Material Marvels, which are other science outreach um, videos. That we, I watched a couple of those. Those were really great.
1: Thank you so much. Well, that's, uh, that's Newton's Football by, uh, by doctors Alan St. John and Anisa Ramirez, who has just joined us. Uh, yeah. Anissa, thank you so much for coming to talk.
4: Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank yeah, this you. has been You're great. Thank you. I'm
1: sorry about the bad jokes about
4: awful
2: awful <laughs> tragedies. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about reminding everyone of the worst times of our human history. Um, you know, that happens.
4: <laughs> um, and sorry. yeah, it's been a real
3: pleasure for us. Yeah, Thank you so much. For, thanks
0: for coming out. We really appreciate it. Thank
3: you so much. Have a great day. You, you, too. Too. you too. Go
0: out and buy Newton's football, everybody.
3: That was fun. She was, that was fascinating, you guys. Yeah. Thanks for...
0: It was a perfect time to have you
3: on, too. Like, we... Yep. It would have been
0: blind leading the blind, uh, okay. with all of us. I didn't realize that she didn't even know football before she wrote the book. That's interesting. Yeah. I
3: mean, she taught me more stuff. So I, that's exciting for me.
0: Nice. So it actually was interesting for you as a
3: football. Oh, it was man. fascinating to me. Excellent. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Completely fascinated. Yeah, I'm going to change all my picks this week. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I don't know. Just based on speed and
0: weight.
3: Yes. And you said Michigan's playing playing who in Georgia, the Georgia in the Gator Bowl, that's where but you're Michigan from? State is playing uh, Michigan State beat Ohio State. I know yesterday. it's the best. It was a huge thing. So now Auburn is playing Florida State for the championship. Okay. So and you know only, you know Florida, nothing Florida about
1: football, State's, but you're still excited about it. It was the but best.
0: Michigan, yeah, we hate Ohio State. And I didn't even realize this. There's a real
1: reason for it.
3: State. But you hate there's, Ohio State more than Michigan and State. And there's real reasons. Like
0: there's a documentary on uh, one of those HBO. It's almost like their thirty for thirty series. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just one about the Michigan Ohio State rivalry because mm-hmm. it's the greatest in college football. And it stems from actual
3: Some of the an actual war. Auburn, Alabama is pretty crazy. Now, Michigan like they Ohio kill State each other's trees.
0: But I mean it's like historically this is the one. They that's kill like, each other's trees?
3: Yeah, Auburn has like a big um a big um tree in like the center of town and like this guy from Alabama like poisoned the tree. It's like, whoa! Yeah, because they last or whatever. Jesus, it's like crazy oh, down. There. But there was an actual war. Because they don't have an Michigan. NFL team you oh, know, okay. in Alabama, so that is their NFL. It's like college uh, and NFL all together. Right, Auburn, so. Alabama, War Eagle. Yeah, something I hadn't
1: that, until I came to America. I hadn't realized like college, university sports aren't a thing in Britain. Right. Like they, they are. You know, every every college, every university has teams for the different sports, but they they're only of interest to people who are currently attending that place right. and maybe a few alumni and and even then like the only ones that really get attention is like the oxford cambridge boat race which gets on tv
3: <laughs> and that's
1: about that's about See, it I really grew up
3: in georgia which is sec right the yeah, like the whole
1: Stern team conference. the whole town gets into it like even yeah. if they didn't attend so within that the
3: sec we all hate each other but once now the SEC is play, like, which is Auburn, is gonna mm-hmm. be playing Florida State for the championship. Florida State is the ACC. I
2: was an ACC guy.
3: So. That means as an SEC fan, we're all cheering for Auburn because they're in the SEC. You know, it's, it's kind of like, we, like, the South will rise again. You know, we say that to, like, you're a Yankee, the South will rise again. Then we I go to do we? London and we're like, do we say that? <laughs> no, but we go to London and we're like, USA. It's like, when did we all become one team, you know, throughout the,
2: well, I always had trouble with that because I was a, I was an ACC guy, big Wake Forest fan. Uh-huh. We're talking basketball. All right. Yeah. Now, Fucking hated the Carolina Tar Heels, hated them, yeah. right? But when the Tar Heels would win the ACC tournament, as they always would, mm-hmm. and then go on, you know, in the NCAA tournament and all that, mm-hmm. um, I still couldn't get behind it. I would still just like somebody beat these assholes, like yeah. I, I don't know. I felt no, um, I've I've never felt conference allegiance.
3: Yeah, but yeah. do you have like an essence of rivalry, like an essence of competition? You know, like just wait, maybe even I in think like town- you can just like, maybe maybe quit life.
2: beating around the bush and just you can ask me if I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> I do don't, you just? Uh, uh, a, I already know the answer to that. <laughs> do you, as a
2: person, just ever get you know? But are competitive? you
3: competitive?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I can be competitive about things. Sure. Yeah.
3: So we grow up in the South being competitive. Everything is a competition. Yeah, but I always sport. hated
2: that about the South. Yeah, that always well. made me really nervous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, always hated that about my schools and everything. I, I, yeah. I, Like I would skip pep rallies and go like be weird somewhere.
1: What is a what is a pep rally? I've never quite understood that. it's it's, a, I don't think it's I do this do thing.
2: So what happens is your school has a big game coming up. The football yep. team from your school has a big game, mm-hmm. and they really want everyone at the school to go to the game. So the day before the game, or maybe even the day day of of the game, Mm -hmm. the whole school gets together in the gymnasium or on the football field, and all the cheerleaders go out there, and the coach goes out there, And then they basically just do some Joseph Goebel shit, and everybody goes nuts.
3: (laughs) They pep him up. Yeah. everybody excited for the game. They
0: get everyone excited for the game. They make
3: banners, you know, you make... They put a
0: lot of pressure on the team. Yeah. Make it it known that if they lose, they're not welcome there anymore. Right. Right. And just by the fact
2: that you have to attend the pep rally, I immediately hated the team and the game. That's
0: pretty... That is ridiculous. Yeah, you have to. So
1: so hang on. So the pep rally is compulsory, but the game isn't. Right. But the, the pep rally is like a compulsory advert... For the, why don't just make but the game compulsory? Yeah,
2: and then not bother with the round. I'm not sure if legally, since it's after school hours, I don't think you could make the game. I mean, they okay. would always do stuff where you'd get extra credit or something. They would? Yeah, they would like we had no, a no. They wouldn't. No, That's I was a... in, yeah. No, well, I was in you go into the game. Uh, I, so until I was 11, I lived in North Carolina, but then I went to Brentwood, Tennessee. That's where I was, It was like 15 minutes south of Nashville. Mm. That's where I was through all middle Brentwood, school and high school. Fancy, super fancy. Super it was fancy, fancy actually. It's like it's pretty it synonymous with the one out here. But, um, so it was, it was Brentwood, Tennessee, and that was like uh, hardcore football, like just hardcore. Yeah. Like the team, it's like the, Texas football. Like, yeah, yeah, like there was a budget mm-hmm. for this team. Mm-hmm. You know, it was crazy. So everyone was super into it, and I just didn't get it from the get go. I just yeah,
3: we had like booster clubs and stuff. That's what they were called in high school, like booster yeah, clubs. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, we had booster clubs, and then and that goes into college too. And then boosters pay for everything. What is a Lights, booster club? They, the boosters are uh, rich parents. But there's really? also just, like, alumni can contribute to the booster, yeah. so basically it's just, like, a big fund for the team itself, so that helps pay for their uniforms, it helps pay for their travel, their lodging, so, like, whenever they go, like, they Cause, have money. Because
1: uh, in Britain, the equivalent, like, the school teams would maybe get, like, the local chip shop to sponsor it, and they'd mm-hmm. buy the kit, and then they'd have, like, Barry's chips
3: yeah. on sure. the front it of- That would be, like, in softball and stuff, in basketball, we'd have that, it would say, right. you know, like you know the coin like whatever like the laundry place was that sponsored the
1: yeah, right. the
3: uniforms
2: but the football was like yeah. it was different it was it was hardcore and every year some senior would like get get a scholarship to some major college mm-hmm. and it would be like crazy I'm not, i don't know when the last i don't know the last time anyone from that that high school went pro um in football there are a lot of like uh i was in math class with kesha <laughs> really? So that's a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kesha and I dropped out together.
4: That's pretty <laughs> awesome. I'm
2: serious, we were in each other's like GED study group. Great. Um, or as she's known in Britain, Kella to pound symbol. Yep. Um,
3: oh my god. Fuck you Awful. guys, man. <laughs> I no, love it's, that. it's a pretty it good one. It is. Cool. It's actually
1: K E zero point
3: seven right. pound symbol. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah.
0: No, gosh. The conversion rate of Kesha's money symbol. Um, so, I, one thing I did want to play. This is totally self-serving, but I brought up my grandpa before and the Ohio State rivalry, which I was saying the reason for that was there was an actual war in 1835 between Michigan and Ohio, the Toledo War. So, <laughs> so it, going, a, there was history of some sort. Yeah. I can't remember some kind of rivalry. Oh, a war! That yeah, was a war. There was an actual right. war that between us. Um, But so, my grandpa was. Uh, he broadcast Michigan football for. He only missed one game in like 38 years, or like up until the week before he died. Um, and uh, this is this ridiculously silly poem he wrote about Woody Hayes, who was the coach of Ohio State back in the day <laughs> when um, Bo Schembechler was coaching Michigan. It's a big rivalry. Uh, here's this thing. Here's my grandpa, Bob Evert. For- it was November 22nd, 1969, that they came to bury Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, well, they came to bury Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away.
3: Nice. It was so, so ridiculous. <laughs> and then
0: it? here's one, uh, just to give you a. That's sense. your grandpa? Yeah. That's- <laughs> and he wasn't. His poetry wasn't as strong as his broadcasting, but he was yeah. totally, yeah. But no, oh, yeah. this is a better, I should have led with this. Oh. He was like heartlessly heart well, pro- more, more in pro-Michigan. Well, this is like there. a pretty famous call, play that he called in a 1979 Michigan-Indiana game. All right. Okay.
3: Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws down What, what, what is he saying?
1: He's just screaming by this
3: point.
1: <laughs> the human torpedo.
2: His voice is cracking. He's like, is crying a little.
1: Oh a, my God! That, that, that was Grandpa yeah, Bob.
0: That was Grandpa Eufer. He had a, a horn. He would honk a certain number of times for a field goal or extra point or touchdown. And supposedly it was off of uh, Patton's jeep from World War II. Oh like, wow!
2: He swore
0: that was the truth. I don't know if that was just this thing he made. I, Man, that's, who cares? We'll uh, call how, it the truth really right now. That's really weird, Andy. How was he? What, how was he for your birthdays? Well, <laughs> yeah. he died when I was four, so I don't really remember. Uh, four, so don't really remember uh, but because uh, that uh, that guy sounds
3: nuts. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Was, well, that's that the, that's his <laughs> yeah. was that grandpa?
1: Is that the you know, your first, your first, uh, the first thing you ever heard on this earth? <laughs> it's
0: well, just, it's funny, there's, there he oh, goes. Son. There he goes.
2: My I've <laughs> never seen a vagina. <laughs> there's look
0: at There kid's was big head. My dad used to do uh, what do you call it when you? I think spotting when you like, um, can, you're the guy in the booth who like tells which uh, player look up the numbers oh, so right, they know. Right, right. Uh uh-huh. And so he was doing that, and he's, he's my mom's dad, and so my. my I don't have his last name obviously Um, and I think there's a game where there was a guy named Wood in the field and he used that as a way to tie in like my brother's birth he mentioned like (laughs) I just died it was so funny well let's uh Anyway, so that was very self-serving. Thank you guys for sitting through that. No, that I, that was it's
3: that's fascinating. fascinating.
0: <laughs> Sarah,
3: yes, w-
1: what have you got coming up, and where can our listeners find out more about you?
3: Oh, I mean, I'm always posting everything that I'm doing on Twitter, so Twitter's the easiest way to keep up to date with me. So that's at saratiana, nice. Sarah with an H, Tiana with a Tiana. Hmm. Um, pretty easy, and uh, <laughs> and then my website saratiana.com. You can also like email me through there, and like. We can chat and talk and nice.
0: stuff like
3: that. What's,
2: and, uh, Sarah, what's, your snap, out there?
3: what's your
0: Snapchat username?
1: I
3: don't <laughs> have one, I wish. I wish.
1: <laughs> um and also I should put in a plug for Setlist, the T V show. Um if our uh, British and I think Australian, I think it's been rebroadcast on ABC too. But certainly if you um British and I think Irish and you get Sky the Sky Channel, Sky Atlantic, Setlist, it's on Monday nights and then repeated throughout the week. Uh set that's the improvised stand up show that I'm a part of and please watch and spread the word.
3: And I'm going to be in London for Christmas. So if any of your fans in London want to
1: nice. meet me up
3: for a drink and show me around, I'd love they- that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They'll do it. <laughs> they will sense. definitely do that. Be, be careful.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be very careful. They've never talked to a girl before, <laughs> but, um, it's going to make them nervous, but we certainly have
1: some Londoners listening. We definitely have Londoners listening. Um, and as always, uh, any questions, comments, clarifications, probably science at gmail.com. You can tweet us at probably science. There's a donate button on the website, uh, probably If you want to help support saying. the show.
2: Just say it. Just put it out there. And,
1: uh, write nice things about us on iTunes and give us ratings. It doesn't take any time at all to click the little star thing and it helps people find out about our show. Spread the, the word. And, the if honest, if
0: you're, and if you're going to buy, if you're thing. going to buy Newton's football, do it by clicking on our shop Amazon link. And then once you buy it, you won't be charging anything extra and they'll kick some money back yep. to us. And so. you can do that, uh, by anything by clicking on that link and go through Amazon. So thank you again for listening.
4: and you, Sarah. Thank you, we'll,
1: we'll, you Nisa. Yeah. We'll thank see you next you week. Gentle. Bye, guys.